Really? Stop it. I told you, I'm not wearing these things. Really? I mean, seriously, I told you, I'm not wearing them. I'm not doing it. Goodness gracious. I mean, seriously? Didn't we have this discussion? I mean, he's just going to keep after me. He's just going to keep after me. He's just going to keep after me until I put these on. But I'm, I'm not putting them on. I'm not putting them on. I'm so sorry you had to witness that. You know, Michael is convinced that unless I wear these silly wings, you won't understand who I am. But I told him, I said, I believe I'm capable of explaining who I am even to humans. No offense. But I think his fear is a little bit reasonable, don't you? I think if I were to ask you to describe to me what an angel looked like, you would say wings. Right? All you need to do is Google the word angel and what pops up. Cute little chubby guys with wings and cute little girls with wings and warrior women with wings and Gerard Butler from 2005 with wings. <laughs> but all of them would have in common, if I ask you, you would describe a creature with wings. But if you were to read the accounts of my appearance in God's Word, those times where I appeared by name, and you could forget for a moment that, what? Oh, you're right, you're right. I am so sorry. I was just remind, I did not introduce myself. My name is Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Now, where was I? Wings, that's right, wings. If you were to read the accounts of my appearances in Scripture, which there are three where I am named. Now, that's not to say I did not appear more than three times, but there are three times where I am named, and in each of those occurrences, I am seen as standing, not hovering, fluttering my wings, but standing as you would stand, as a human. I mean, we are very rarely depicted like this. I mean, not like this, but you know what I mean, like this, as a human. When you think of us, you think of wings. Even the writer of Hebrews says this. It says that some of you, in showing hospitality to strangers, have shown hospitality to angels and were unaware of it. For that to happen, they must not have had wings. For if they had wings, I would suspect that you would have recognized them, for that's how you picture us. But they must have appeared as a human. Now, I, I tell you these things not to spark a debate about whether angels have wings or not, for heaven knows that you debate enough as is, and you have enough distractions as is that I do not need to add to them. I tell you this only to help you understand who it is that is speaking to you this evening. For my name is Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Now for the why. I come this evening to ask you a question. Do you see what I see? When you look at Christmas this time of year, and when you ponder on Christmas and you see the manger scenes that are scattered throughout your communities, and I have to admit some in the most peculiar 
of places. When you see those things, do you see what I see? When you see the young children in their Christmas pageants and you see Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, do you see what I see? When you look at the presents underneath your tree, do you see what I see? Or are you so distracted by the season or by the business of life that you fail to see what I see? So I come to you tonight in the hope that you can pause, if only for a moment, to see what I see. Again, I tell you, my name is Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. I stand in God's presence. I do not look upon him. For his radiance and his glory is too marvelous to look upon. One must not look upon it, and one need not look upon it to experience his presence, his overwhelming presence. And standing in his presence, you are acutely aware of your insignificance in comparison to him. But yet, at the very same moment, you experience a love that makes you feel significant special. What a remarkable thing it is to stand in the presence of God. I stand in God's presence waiting to be sent into your world whenever and wherever he commands. And I speak only what he commands me to speak and only to whom he sends me. Can you think of a more important responsibility and to speak the very words of God. Do you see what I see? I stood in the presence of God before the world was created. Before you were created, I stood in the presence of God. We watched as he created the man and the woman. I watched him walk with them in the garden that he made for them. And we watched as they disobeyed him that day, and he expelled them from his garden. I remember his words to them, but I remember his promise to all who would listen. His promise to one day make things right again, to come into this world so that he could be with you. with you, his special creation. Ever since that day, we longed to see what he would do. For years, I spoke God's words to his prophets, telling them of the promise that God had made, that he would come and make things right, that he would come into the world to save it. Did I tell you that God created the world? Did I tell you that he created the universe? He created everything that you see and some things that you have yet to see. And he created all of it for you. You who were created a little lower than the angels. You are God's special creation. You and only you were created in his image. As you look around this room this evening, as you look at the people sitting next to you, 
Do you see what I see? You know, it was an evening like this. Well, not really like this. There were not these artificial lights that you see here illuminating Bethlehem that night. No, there were only torches and candles and lamps that shone into the darkness. Yet, the true life that was giving light to all mankind was coming into the world, just as God said he would, born of a virgin. And speaking of that young peasant girl, she was an amazing young woman. I say woman, more like a girl than a woman, but strong and fearless, yet humble, so very humble. I appeared to her suddenly and unexpectedly, and I said to her, Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And needless to say, she was startled and kind of confused by my greeting. And so I told her, fear not, Mary, but the Lord, you have found favor in his eyes. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will do great things and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I saw her pondering my words, and then she asked me the most remarkable question. You know, when I appeared to Zechariah in the temple, you know, the priest, Zechariah? When I appeared to him and told him that he and his wife, Elizabeth, would have a son at their old age, oh, Zechariah, the priest, looks at me and says, I need more proof, as though an angel appearing next to him in the temple would not, was not proof enough. Yet not Mary. Mary looks at me and simply asks me, how will I conceive for I am a virgin and have not known a man in that way. And so I told her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even now, Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary looks at me and bows her head and says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be so. For thousands of years, God has blessed me with moments like that. Moments to carry his word to you, his creation, and to see human beings believe his word, obey his commands, and to watch his promises fulfilled through you. What an amazing responsibility to be a messenger of the Most High God. No word from the Lord will ever fail. Do you see what I see? It was about nine months after that night that Mary gave birth to a son, just as God said she would. Although he was born in not so great circumstances, a place where you would not expect the Son of God to be born. 
I mean, admittedly, you must say that uh, animal pen would have been the last place you would have chosen for him. Yet that night, in that lowly manger, amongst the smell of animal dung, God transformed that lowly place into the holiest place on earth. For the Son of God was there. And when he breathed his first breath, all of heaven was watching. And praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. It was a night that all of the prophets and all of the angels were eagerly awaiting. It was a night when God, the God who spoke the universe into creation, God who upholds the universe by the power of his hand, came into the world as a child. And I stood speechless. For the glory that radiated from him was so familiar. I could not look upon him. It did not seem right. Yet his presence so filled the universe, I thought it would burst. When you look upon the Christ child this Christmas Eve, can you see what I see? There was a doctor, his name was Maxwell Maltz, one of you, a plastic surgeon who tells the story of a young man who attempted to save his parents from a burning building, from their home, and in doing so became severely burnt and disfigured, unable to save his parents. Mistakenly, he took his pain as God's punishment and therefore secluded himself, hiding away from the world and even his wife. That wife came to Dr. Maltz and told her of his situation, and Dr. Maltz looked at her and said, I can help you. I can restore his face. She looked at him sort of unenthused and said, you know, I've tried many times, and he has always rejected me, and I sincerely doubt that it will be any different with you. And he looked at her kind of puzzled and said, then why is it you come to me today? She said, my hope is not that you would restore his face, but that you would disfigure mine so that I could experience his pain, so that he would allow me back into his life. And Dr. Maltz was amazed and yet shocked at her request, and of course he did not grant it. But he was so moved that he followed her to her home, and he went inside and he knocked on the door behind the bedroom door where the man was secluded, and he told him, I am a surgeon and I can restore your face. Yet silence is all he heard. He kept knocking on the door and saying, I can help you. I can help you. Only to be met by silence. And then he knocked on the door one last time and he told the man of the wife's request that she wants me to disfigure her face so she can experience your pain in the hope that you would let her back into your life. And after a moment of silence, the doorknob began to turn. See, the love of that young woman is remarkable. But it pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. For God humbled himself 
and came into this world as a child and humiliated himself on a criminal's cross to carry your pain, to carry your shame, so that you could be with him. For some of you tonight, I ask you the question, do you see what I see as a reminder to you to remember what God has shown you? To remind you to never take for granted the true Christmas gift and to share that gift with the world. For others of you, I stand on the outside of a closed door, knocking in the hope that you could see how much God loves you and to the lengths that God will go and has already gone so that you could be with him. I tell you this in the hope that you could just begin to see what I see. This Christmas Eve, Jesus is knocking on hearts all across this world knocking in the hope that you could see what I see. My name is Gabriel, and we stand in the presence of God.